Hey everyone, we're back with another episode of That's a Bug. So to start off, I am going to talk about our previous episode briefly. Uh, our previous episode was about a Boeing aircraft bug where the aircraft had to be rebooted to fix the, some particular issues. So both Nat and I had some open questions about that and we had asked our listeners if they had any answers to some of those and luckily for us, uh, one of our listeners came to our Facebook page and gave a quite detailed explanation about some of the questions we had and really appreciate that. So if you're interested, I recommend going and checking out our Facebook page. Uh, just search for That's a Bug on Facebook. So for this episode, we're going to talk about contact tracing apps. Contact tracing, uh, as to what it is, is let's in this pandemic time, it's relevant, which is why we're doing this episode. And what it is, is if let's say somebody goes to the hospital um, and they get diagnosed with COVID-19, what the health officials do next is to try and f- figure out who else this person has come in contact with. And that method is is called contact tracing. And there's a reason to do that. They're trying to uh, reduce the spread of infection. Um, another thing we're doing this episode is we actually have a guest for the first time. His name is Matthew Sampson from Safe Contact. Safe Contact is an app. Uh, it's a contact tracing app. So, uh, Matthew, would you like to describe what so Safe Contact is? Oh yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on here. Uh, so, Safe Contact is a mobile application that's designed to aid in the contact tracing process. And so, as you were saying, contact tracing is is basically the process where once someone is diagnosed, is being confirmed. A, of having uh, some illness, and in this case, it most likely would be COVID-19, you want to figure out who they've been in direct contact with in the past, in this case, it'd be two weeks. And and the reason you want to do that is so you can then isolate those people because there's a chance that those people are also uh, infectious and can spread the illness. And so you want to kind of stop that second hop of, of the disease spreading inside the community. And so Safe Contact is an app that aids that by helping people keep track of who they've been in contact with and where they've been. And so without any kind of mobile application being aided, the process of contact tracing just involves um, potentially a nurse interacting with the the patient, trying to just like work with their memory to figure out who they've been in contact with and where they've been. And so this is more of a a digital record that they can keep uh, to help them. Yeah. So Nat, you, you and I had talked about this before, even in the manual process, there, like, uh, you can use some part of your phone and stuff, but uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I I've been uh, my my wife works at um, in IT as an architect uh, in in the healthcare space, and so she often uh, she and I often discuss the the contact tracing challenges, and they um, one of the things that they've tried. I mean, it's a manual process today. Obviously, there's a lot of apps uh, like Safe Contact trying to get to market, get in the hands of people to, to facilitate this process. But it sounds a bit painful, right? You're relying on people's memory to try, you know, to determine where they've been, who they've talked to during that incubation period. And, you know, you might go back, depending on how far in they are, you might go back a week, seven, eight, nine, ten days, maybe a little more, trying to understand, you know, how many people have they been in close contact with and close enough that they may have transmitted the disease to to them. And then that list of people get sent to a call center 
and people literally go and, and try to reach out to, to any, anyone in that list. So it gets exponentially large very quickly. Um, and you're, it's very unreliable, right? Because, you, you know, if I went even yesterday trying to remember everyone I talked to, I'd get it, you know, very, very wrong. And I think, what, yeah, what you and I were talking about, Sahim, was kind of using Google um, location detection or location services, and it will create a list of the places that you've been, but not necessarily who you've talk to so you'd have kind of oh okay I went to the grocery store I went to so and so um, it assumes that you have it turned on um, and I think one of the challenges was uh, that a lot of the people in the contact tracing center at least here um, in our in our region they weren't familiar with technology enough to walk through a script even to get people to go and get that information from their phones so anyway it sounded like a bit of a challenge so uh, yeah these apps hopefully will make that, that a little easier yeah. So, and since then, like, so th there have been other developments, right? So, uh, Google and Apple have collaborated, uh, with like an API. Um, yeah, I think Matthew, you kind of uh, mentioned before we started here that, uh, do you want to talk about that piece? Yeah. I actually think before we talk about the API, it's, it's good to talk about the different methods for sure. automating or, or aiding contact tracing using a mobile phone. Uh, and it'll p probably paint the picture nicely. Um, okay. So the so the main methods, uh, the two big ones are from that are commonly being used are for GPS and Bluetooth. And so GPS is basically utilizing the GPS services of your phone, which can kind of keep track of where you've been and when you've been there to coordinate that if two people have been at the same location or in the same proximity at the same time for long enough, you can assume they're in contact tracing or that they're in contact, sorry. Um, the, the downside of GPS is that in order to figure out those two things, um, you need to have both people's location data. Uh, and, and the thing about location data is that you can anonymize it all you want, but uh, at the end of the day, if someone wanted to analyze location data and really look into it, they can figure out where you spend most of your time, and you know that place could be your home. And if they figure out where your home is, they can figure out where you are, and then it can, it can kind of avalanche from there. And so it's that kind of data is, can be really hard to work with while preserving privacy. Um, however, it still can work for contact tracing. Uh, and not only that, but it can not only keep track of who you've been in contact with, but also where you've been. And that's actually a really, really important thing too. Uh, the second one, Bluetooth, it actually uses a functionality built into uh, Android and iOS phones called a Bluetooth beacon. Um, and you, the, the original idea of a Bluetooth beacon is you could set up a beacon at a store and and when you would walk towards that store using bluetooth communication uh your phone could figure out you're at that store and then it could send you like a coupon or, or something um however apple and google have have optimized this to allow people to figure out if they're in proximity to each other just like the original per, uh intent was for proximity of a store this one's of proximity with another person um the benefit of the bluetooth contact tracing is you kind of jump a step and so you don't have to with the gps figure out where someone's been and then see if they've been in the same place you kind of just have the data that they were in the same place and it can also give you the time and and the kind of relative proximity of how close they were okay so but for the second option with bluetooth do you actually end up knowing where they've been and even even though it's not being recorded is there is that somehow figured out in terms of location yeah 
Well, yeah, well, you then you would have to, you know, dip into, uh, you know, the GPS of the phone as well. And so, you know, the, the exposure notification API, which is the official name of it, um, I, I haven't gone too intensely in the docs with it. We have a, a full-time development team working on that, and they're going through the documentation. Um, but it, it, it notifies you of when you get that kind of contact of that Bluetooth beacon of, of the other person running the app. And in that case, then you can, you know, marshal off your phone's GPS and then figure out where you are at that moment and store it. So if you'd like to do it that way, you could as well. And that is a very useful information to not only know when you were in contact with someone, but where you were at that time. Yeah, and I, I think part of the, the what, what I've observed is that, you know, the only countries that seem to be going the GPS route are the ones that are, um, you know, like under dictatorship or like the most of the democratic countries don't seem to believe their populations will will want to have their locations tracked or have that information available to, um, you know, the governing bodies that be, right? Is that yeah, your so, sense? Yeah, yeah. And like GPS data to figure out direct contact tracing uh, is really, really difficult, like I said, to do in a privacy preserving way. Um, because I, ideally, you don't uh, give away anybody's private information unless you have to. And now these are dire times. So as soon as someone's sick, you kind of, you know, this is when you release it. But in order to do GPS um, tracking, you have to, at some point, combine the data of someone who, you know, as far as they're concerned, haven't been tested or aren't sick with the data of someone who, um, you know, has been tested and they know is sick. And that the overlap of those two is just everyone in the population. And so, uh, there's a few ways that you can go about it and, and some places have gone about having a centralized location where all the GPS data is just streamed to. Um, the downside of that is, as I was saying previously, GPS data, even if you anonymize it, if you analyze it enough, you can figure out who people are and what they're doing. Um, and another approach the places have done, which is also not that great, in my opinion, is they uh, publicly release the information of, of where someone who's sick has been. Um, and that, you know, also can have some pretty dire consequences because you figure out, you know, where the sick people are and who they are. And, and you know, again, you can analyze and figure out what they're doing. Um, some places have, have taken the approach of obfuscating that data. And so uh, instead of, you know, they have all this information of where a sick person is, they then, uh, you know, instead of giving it a radius of like 10 to 50 meters, they give it a radius of a kilometer. Now, I don't know how that works for accuracy, because if you have a high population density, a lot of people can be sick, and, you know, every point a person's at is a kilometer wide. I, I don't know how you can, you know, not get the whole place flooded with the potential of everything being infected. So GPS is really, very really difficult to do for contact tracing in a privacy-preserving way. Yeah, yeah, and, and in rural places like New Brunswick, I mean, a kilometer, <laughs> you, you know, you'd be pinpointing someone's house probably, or in some cases. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's difficult. Yeah, yeah. Ideally, GPS data, you want to minimize the amount of eyes that can see it. Yeah. So, so sorry, go ahead, Matt. So with the Bluetooth contact uh, or the beacon method, so basically anyone that you, uh, your phone comes close enough to another phone uh, for a certain period of time. So there must be a threshold there. So if you spend more than, let's say, three minutes next to someone else's phone, that's considered enough to, to be of risk. And that person's key gets loaded into your phone. And in the event that 
you develop symptoms, then you, it can go back and notify by key ID only. And basically it's completely anonymous. Uh, is that the kind of the premise behind it? Yeah, yeah, that's the premise behind it. So, and, and Apple and Google actually have very good documentation explaining how this process works, but you, you hit the hand, like you hit it exactly right there. Essentially, if they're in proximity, it gets that key. And then as soon as someone is being diagnosed as being sick, uh, that key gets uplo uploaded to a, I'm pretty sure it's a centralized place, but I, I know distrib distributed storage is kind of where people want to go with this, but it gets uploaded to an area where then other people's phones will periodically check to see if that key is one of the keys that they have stored locally in terms of being in contact with. And if so, then you can, you know, you've been in contact with that person. Okay, so uh, much more basic question here, but so for all this to work, people have to go and download this app and have it. Yeah, and so that's the thing. If, if let's say you imagine you have a plot and the x-axis is the percentage of community adoption and the y-axis is, is you know, relative utility. Um, in terms of GPS data, a low percentage of community adoption can still give you a relatively high utility because it can help you keep track of where an individual person was, which can be very helpful if you figure out, you know, if they were at Walmart over a certain time period and, and you know, where they're frequently going or maybe potentially they're working at a place and, you know, working, you know, maybe in contact with a bunch of people. But then as, you know, the percentage of community adoption like, increases and you try to actually get direct contact rates from that data, it's hard because of that privacy reserving portion or the other lack of. Um, in terms of the Bluetooth tracing, a low community adoption doesn't really give you a lot of value. But if you get high community adoption, it's an absolutely wonderful solution. And so it's just, it's, it's a multifaceted thing where you not only need to have the technology and be aware of the you know, anonymity, but then you also need to get adoption. And, and you know, contact tracing and, and the misunderstanding of it is a legitimate fear. Um, it's it's it, not contact tracing is a very good thing, but contact tracing with mobile applications because of that, you know, privacy portion that it can be, you know, you don't, you don't expect the average person to have to understand it because it can be kind of complex. No, and I, I sense that right from the beginning, the challenge will be people will just not trust it, whether they, un they won't understand the underlying technologies at work and won't, it's not like they're going to read all of this, say, oh, well, it doesn't have my GPS, this is anonymous, just an ID, uh, you know, low risk, I'll download the app. They're just going to say, well, I don't want to be tracked. Um, they'll yeah. just assume it's, you know, the worst. Um, and, and simply saying that fear is invalid you know, isn't going to get us anywhere. And so we have to work with it because it is, you know, the, the fear of, of not knowing what's being tracked and what can happen is, is a valid fear. So, yeah, that's, and, that's, and that's, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. No, that, that is fair, right? Like, so do you, do you expect like government entities to kind of, kind of come help with this type of thing or, or do you think it's like a, like for safe contact, do you expect, yeah, are you planning like a marketing campaign to kind of help so, alleviate some of those fears? Yeah, so the, the approach we um, taken with safe contact has kind of been built up from a first principle approach. And so like contact tracing and, and like as I was saying, in, in, the, in the full sense is really just figuring out who someone was in contact with. And, and the issues is that right now we're working with human memory as opposed to, you know, computer memory. And so it's a, it's a lot more volatile in some cases. And so um, if you had this perfect human that remembered, you know, not only every place they've been, but the face of every person they were in contact with, you wouldn't need contact tracing, right? And so we're just trying to work with that. And so 
Um, one method would be if you just got everyone to take a notebook and every person they saw, they were like, hey, I need you to write down your phone number. I need to write down the time that I saw you. Um, and every place they've been, they wrote that down. And that'd be effective too, but that'd be an incredibly manual process. And, and you, you know, and there'd be error, potentially someone writes something down properly or improperly, sorry. Uh, potentially, you know, they, they don't do it. And so, you know, I, that's not going to work. And so you, the idea is we'll use mobile applications to automate that and do it for them. And all they have to do is download the app and everything else is handled for them. And that's, you know, that's the ideal sense. Um, and so the, the approach we're taking with um, safe contact is, is to kind of have that, you know, take that notebook and digitalize, digitize it. Cause you can keep a notebook of where you're going and who you're in contact with and keep that personal. Right. You can almost imagine it's like your diary. It's not going anywhere. No one's reading it um, unless, you know, you're put into a situation where you you have the option to release the information to a doctor. And if that's the case, then you could. And so safe contact is kind of your your personal diary for keeping track of, of where you've been and, and who you've been in contact with. And and so, you know, but then incrementally, you can start automating it and and, you know, some governments do want to have this centralized area a location where, you know, all the data is being streamed to because, you know, from a data analysis perspective, you can then start tracking how the disease is spreading, the demographics and all this other stuff. And so it's, you know, it's, it's this trade-off of privacy versus utility. Um, and and it's, it's a hard thing because, you know, some people might think that they or some people might want to sacrifice privacy for safety. Right. So, you know, like, what is my privacy and like where I'm going uh, in, in relation to somebody's life or death situation? Right. Like, that's a really hard comparison to make. But it, it's the, it's the, it's some it's a difficult thing to navigate because where does it stop in terms of, of tracking things and, and, and then I, the fear involved with it as well. And so, I mean, the other the flip side is if you want to open sooner uh, so open up the economy sooner, every business that wants to remain open, like if 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 a if a province uh, in Canada wanted to open things up and the population wanted to know how, this might be a way that you know say okay, well everybody get this app, and um, you know what we'll be able to track anytime there's an outbreak, we'll know we'll have better uh, ability to manage outbreaks, um, mm -hmm. and therefore we can do this sooner. So it's a bit of a carrot then in in that case. It is. It is. It's really pick your poison in a way, um, and it's up to the the interpretation of the person to figure out which poison it is. And I'm not really a person to tell them which poison works. Um, so, but but you're you're correct. Like even as we're opening up, until a vaccine is in place or we have an effective treatment that makes the you know the COVID nineteen not a, not a deadly virus, or until we have herd immunity, like we're gonna have to be walking this line that we've been walking the past few weeks, which is, or months, which is, you know, phase one, phase two, phase three, things are weird in phase three, some places go back to phase one, and we're gonna keep navigating that, and it's gonna be difficult. Yeah, yeah for sure. So the other thing I wanna talk about is, let, let, let's say we do have uh, people with these apps, uh, and everybody has it. What do you think about the like, ways somebody may abuse this? Like, uh, yeah, so there's actually two angles to abuse. And, and, and the obvious one that comes to everyone's mind is, is government surveillance. Um, and, and that is definitely something we have to be aware of. Uh, I'm not saying that it's something that's it's going to happen, but it's something we have to be aware of. The, the other one is actually interesting. In, in some places, there's reports of uh, in, in terms of it, people being 
it, it depends on who you allow to label data as being from an infected person. It, there's actually some locations where uh, where the contact tracing system was put in place and the way it worked was uh, the locations that people who were infected were was publicly released. Um, some people would actually go to stores and then leave the store. They go to store for like a, a long enough period of time that it would register that they're there and then they'd leave the store. And then they would call up the store and basically say, hey, if you don't give me money, I'm going to say that I'm sick. And I was just at your place. And so people are going to see that your place is potentially a place where you can go and get infected and you're going to lose business. And so that's another way it can be exploited. And so it's just, it's interesting. And it's, it's, it's definitely hard to navigate. Um, but I, you know, we have, we have some, in, in Canada here, we have some people who, you know, they're, they're, they work in the government and, and they're coding and stuff, but they're also citizens. And, and, you know, they're the people who are going to be using this app. And so it's, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, I have confidence that we're, we're navigating properly. Yeah. Well, that's uh, the, one of the episodes that Matt and I covered was about the guy. I mean, it's definitely, it was not malicious at all, but uh, it was to kind of show this point where uh, this artist in Italy took 99 Android phones and took it in a small push cart and simulated. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so the thought crossed my mind with all the, the the GPS one is kind of an obvious way to do that exact same thing. Um, and also the, even Bluetooth too. Uh, but the Bluetooth method you mentioned is actually much more simpler, uh, but with worse consequences. <laughs> so yeah. walk around with hundred phones in our pocket and it would, yeah, it would definitely mess up the, the contact tracing. Yeah. yeah I, I wouldn't necessarily say the Bluetooth one has worse consequences. Okay. Uh, the Bluetooth one is, is actually, it's, it's a it's a very good approach if you get enough people to to you you know implement it. Yeah, no, I I didn't mean the the worst consequences in that way. I just meant the the fact that if you well, I guess you could do that same thing with GPS. But as in like what you the the situation you described where somebody goes in and marks themselves an infection and starts blackmailing the shopkeeper. But that's a yeah, same. And, and, yeah, and and that's where you you need to kind of you you do need to work with um you know health regulate like health authorities in the government and so like in my personal opinion like the act of labeling data as being from an infected person does have large consequences in terms of you know requiring other people to quarantine requiring a, a store be cleaned up or shut down potentially um, depending on if that person was a worker there or not and and so it's something that you definitely don't want people to be able to just log into their phone and do you want to have a, you know registered people who are authorized to do that to implement that and so it's you know you this is something where we have to work together okay okay so that makes sense so what you're saying is that let's once it's to be able to mark yourself as infected or, or mark anybody as infected there is like it's like a second step of verification which potentially should be a gar a, a health official right that's what yeah. you're describing Okay. Yeah, so I mean, they, we're tr we're trying to do things as a community here, and we have to have trust in our community and our local government jurisdictions. We're very fortunate to be living in Canada in a time like this. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so that, that yeah, so I think that makes that a little um, it's somewhat tamper proof. But I I don't know, Nat. Do you have any other thoughts on on that part of things? Yeah, I mean, I I think like anything, we're gonna see. I I, I think. There was a, a breach in the UK one, but it, it wasn't, it, it gave the contact tracing um, 
space a bad name, but I think I think it was kind of mislabeled news story. Um, and so, um, you know, I suspect with the centralized ones, you could see a vulnerable server hosting a huge amount of data. Uh, I mean, I said vulnerable. It's not. It's not vulnerable. It's just a bigger target, I guess. And um, but like you have to assume any central like any server can potentially be vulnerable. Yeah, I mean it's no different than you know right now the Department of Health hosts a huge amount of data, right? And you know personal health information arguably is probably more sensitive than a bunch of you know ID pairs on a system, you know, GPS data is probably just as sensitive as your health information. Um, and, you know, but I think if, if, if this is being done carefully um, and you're not creating targets like that, um, I think most jurisdictions should be okay. I mean, I think there's, there's going to be the tampering. I think like this 99 phone Google hack, I think anytime where you're trusting information coming from a, a device, I mean, this is basically input coming from, someone's mobile device. I think the other thing is standardization, right? And beyond COVID. So as we move into other potential pandemics over time, um, you know, COVID spreads a certain way. You know, if you're maybe most cases are transmitted when you're person to person close by, but I'm also told that, you know, if, you know, if COVID lives for three hours on a surface and there are probably other diseases that are, are much like that, right. That can, can survive long periods of time in a particular space. And it's more, uh, a little more airborne. Um, and so, you know, there's probably, as we look at other viruses or other types of uh, things that we're going to want to track differently and those could be tamper resistant. And you may, we may end up with an app that's not just COVID specific, but, generally as, as individuals or global citizens, we're going to want to be alerted when we come in close contact with any of this stuff. And so I think COVID's one thing. I think some of the ways that, that are being described by Matt and some of the stuff we've read, probably low risk, depending on how it's implemented. But mm -hmm. as we move into other ways of tracking to deal with other types of viruses, um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. And, and standardization, as you were saying, is, is really important because I Ideally, there's not like one app to rule them all in this case, uh, just because, you know, having a, a monopoly like uh, control of something can be dangerous sometimes. Um, ideally, it's kind of like the email protocol. You, know, right? you can have a bunch of different email clients, um, a bunch of different implementations, but they all speak the same language. Yeah, yeah. That, that would probably make things a little more robust long term and, mm -hmm. and just that you're creating less attack space or, or smaller attack vectors, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, Google and Apple collaborating itself is, uh, is pretty neat. So because that's mm -hmm. the majority of the mm -hmm. smart so phones. From what I was reading was basically the that Bluetooth beacon thing I was talking about was hard to maintain it running in the background uh, in a battery efficient way. There are some places that have been able to hack it together, but it's not the most battery efficient. They actually have to um, activate the app in the background periodically, which causes the phone to die pretty quick. So Bluetooth and Apple, or Bluetooth, sorry, <laughs> Apple and Google um, have, have basically, they have you know direct control of the operating system. So they were able to make it as efficient as possible. 
And uh, it's also the, the Bluetooth. So one thing about the Exposure Notification API, which is what Apple and Google have released, is that once this pandemic is in control, whether or not there's you know herd immunity or virus or an effective treatment, um, they're going to take the API down. So it's not going to be an always thing. Okay. I mean, that, that is one of the fears when most people have is like when, when some of these things come online that uh, they, do we, we don't really know if they go away. But the fact that they've come out and said that is, uh, mm-hmm. is pretty good. Uh, hopefully that and does. Mm-hmm. And, and the way that you distribute mobile apps through the Play Store and the uh, Apple Store, uh, you know, they, 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 they filter every app that goes through and so you have to apply and, and they're, they're, they're very strict and they're really doing their due diligence to make sure that the apps that are approved um, for COVID-related stuff and for contact tracing have uh, the people downloading the app in their best mind or, or have them in mind, sorry. Uh, and so you can kind of trust Apple and Google for doing, uh, you know, the, the average citizen's due diligence in terms of uh, preserving the privacy. And, and you can go through Google and Apple's exposure notification API, and, and it, it screams that pretty much in terms of uh, advocating for privacy. And so it's, it's based off a of distributed sense, the notification API, as we were talking about, just completely anonymous. Um, it doesn't keep track of GPS location data. And so it's, you know, from a, from a citizen standpoint, it's something that I would be very comfortable with. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to start closing the episode here, but, uh, but not like, do you have any other things you want to bring up? I mean, not, I mean, I think I'm looking at our notes from, from earlier and just one, I mean, Bluetooth, I don't know how the, the beacon technology is or how reliable it is. I think we we were debating this before, but you know, Bluetooth devices and, and pairing and, and so on is quite flaky. Um, Maybe Matt, you, you, I mean, you're working in the implementation space, like how reliable um, is the tech? Like just looking at, you know, how often, if I'm in close proximity to a hundred people, is it going to really register? Like how many of these get registered accurately? This is, this is something that Apple and Google have tuned their operating systems to work with. And so it's kind of like uh, with Bluetooth, um, you know, it's when you have it connected to a speaker, you have, you, it's not like the speaker ever really drops momentarily, depending on the quality of the speaker. Um, and then so in this case, Apple will control the quality of both of the speaker and the phone connected to it. If you, you want to view the other speaker as being a phone in you know, an abstract sense. Uh, and so it, it's pretty good. And this has been, this has been tuned by these companies to work. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, this sort of, one thing I mean, G- GPS data GPS data can be hard to work with, um, and it can be it can be flaky too. Um, and so, you know, we can't expect the perfect solution here. Uh, but just like I said, like you know, something better than nothing would be people just writing down who they're in contact with and where they are. Because the, the goal isn't to implement an app that tracks who people are. The goal is to figure out who someone's in contact with, which the highest accuracy requires the least amount of resources. Yeah, um, for sure. I think we can all agree that having uh, a contact tracing app is definitely helpful. And uh, and like uh, Nat, you'd mentioned earlier, is the whole care to, uh, for somebody wanting for people to want their their lives back in some cases or get the economy back up. I think we all agree with that fact, right? Like we kind of having an app is definitely helpful. Uh, it's just about the implementation that we're kind of debating here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. 
Um, yeah, to end here, uh, Matthew, like, uh, what is what, what is next for Safe Contact? When are you planning to release the app? Um, if you can tell us that, uh, yeah, just yeah, yeah, I hundred percent can. So we're already approved for the Play Store, and we started testing there. Uh, we have a full time team working on development of the app, which is wonderful, and I have a lot of faith in those guys. Um, and and they really, you know, they're really passionate what they're doing. Um, we'll be hearing back from Apple later this week. Uh, in, in terms of, of once we, when we can start testing with that. I'm hoping it'll be early in the week. Uh, we have a, a, a series of testers lined up um, and we're, we're accepting more. And so if you're interested, you can email us at info at safecontact.io. Um, and so it's, we're, we're just trying to, you know, especially where I'm in this phase three right now, um, you know, we're just trying to, you know, help. Uh, and so, you know, Safe Contact is very much a, a volunteer. And, and, you know, it's the people who are working on this are, are just passionate about, you know, trying to help Atlanta Canada come out of this with the least damage possible. All right. That's awesome. Really appreciate that. Uh, so if anybody missed that, that was info at safecontact.io if you want to beta test the app. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the, this is your audience uh, because our audience is, audience is primarily uh, software testers, from at least from what I gather. Um, yeah, so uh, I'll definitely email there. I'm definitely willing to help out there. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, so anyways, with that, I'm going to end the episode here. Uh, thanks, everyone. Um, and if you have any uh, discussion, any questions for uh, any of us, come to our Facebook page. Thanks, everyone. Wonderful. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thanks.